moment. I just want to say thank you for joining. Um, it's a blessing. It's a privilege and honor to have all of us here. Um, God is God is good. And how many of you know? Oh, excuse me. Let me just turn off the slide real quick. How many of you know that you're sowing into your destiny every time you sit under the word of God? Um, we're not here just to uh, receive information. We're not here just to um, acquire more facts concerning the Bible to become, as Leonard Ravenhill said, walking libraries, but rather that we would become as God-filled personalities. Amen. That we would have a personality of God. That That is the definition of godliness, is that we would be filled and infused with God. No other religion, no other religion lays claim to the fact that God would come and live within a man. And this is precisely what Christianity is. It's peculiar. It's distinct. It's the only religion that claims that God, by the Holy Ghost, comes to live within a man. Every other religion claims he lives in temples, claims he everything is God and you're God. And no, but but God is the one who resides in heaven, works on earth, but dwells within our hearts. Um, <clears throat> but we're sowing into our destiny. And I know that some of you can already attest that when you join, it's not just a Bible study. In fact, it's, it's much more than just a Bible study. Because we can study the Bible at a secular university to no avail. We can study at a secular university or even a biblical college and come out more educated than we had gone in. But we, would, we can potentially come out with a shrunken soul. With a fat head and a shrunken soul. And I don't say that to be insulting. But information without revelation and impartation leads to stagnation. Amen. More than the acquiring of information, we need an impartation of life. We need revelation. And only, only until that can we avoid stagnation in our walk with God. Okay? And so what I mean by impartation is, is that there, there are certain persons in the body of Christ that are graced to impart Revelation, they are uh, stewards of the mysteries of Christ. And and you would do well to take heed, okay? So, but um, I, I want to welcome everybody. And um, I just want to preface by saying this. I know that we're living in unprecedented times. Um, we, if you at all are um, paying attention to the news um, <clears throat> and this particularly concerns um, me um, and it should the rest of us uh, with what's going on in Ukraine I know that we're not living under a rock and and it's it, we're not ignorant to what's going on over there and um, and especially all the more so because we have people from Europe uh, in uh, in this group and so um, and we know a brother, in fact, right now he's currently in a bunker and um, in Ukraine. 
and um, it's 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 hell there. Um, people have already lost their lives. There are casualties. Um, there are war crimes being committed. Hospitals that are being uh, targeted. Uh, that have been uh, bombs launched at them. And um, the list can go on about what exactly is going on over there. Um, but I bring this up not because it's unrelated, but it's related to it's it's related to us in this sense is that we have an obligation uh, to pray about these things. And I don't want us to be unaware of the fact that prayer yields a significant power. We, we fight against principalities first and foremost. Right. This this is not a war that is waged against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. It's against dark rulers and, and cosmic rulers in high places. And if we are, we should not be unaware of the fact that Bible says in First John that the whole world lies in sway of the wicked one. So we're playing on his turf. And this is prophesied in Matthew chapter 24 that there will be wars and rumors of war. So these things are expected. How many of you can say amen? This amen. is expected. And we ought not to be ignorant of these things. However, we should not be crippled and paralyzed by these unprecedented times. We should not be crippled and paralyzed by what we see that uh, um, in the world today. We have the answer that there is a risen Christ and there is a risen Lord. And he is the hope for humanity. And we have the antidote to the cure of this chaos and these political and demographical hostility and hatred. And it's the gospel of peace that brings peace to mankind. And I just, I say this because I don't want us, and forgive me if this is crude, I don't want us to say to hell with the world. While we're... uh, uh, going um uh to heaven or we're saved and so you know hey it's not my responsibility who cares and while you may never say those words some of your actions may demonstrate that okay and i i I don't intend for this to be a rebuke but an exhortation an encouragement to continue to yield yourself in service to men and service to men. The most miserable life you can live is a life that is insulated. It's only caring for yourself. Worried about your security. Worried about your protection. Worried about your finances. Worried about your... just. And none. I'm not saying those things are bad. Yes, okay, pray about your finances. Yes, pray for your family. Pray. But here's the thing. Jesus has called us to live beyond ourselves. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? It says, he who lives should no longer live unto himself, but him who unto him who died for their sins, who gave his life as a ransom for all. Amen. Jesus Christ sweat blood on the cross, uh, dropped blood on the cross. The least we can do is sweat tears of, you know, sweat, sweat tears and, and uh, no, cry tears and sweat. For and labor for for men and, and labor unto God. And I'm gonna leave you with this last quote, and then we'll get started. It is said that he that 
um, labors more in discipline will sweat less in war. Oh no, he who he who sweats more in discipline will will uh, shed less blood in war. If you sweat more in discipline in times of peace, you will shed less blood in times of war. In other words, right now is a preparatory time. Right now is a time for preparation. And I'm not a doomsday apocalyptic sort of guy, but I will say this, is that we should be in preparation nonetheless. You should be fortifying yourself in all aspects of life. You know, I... I, I seen on uh, what's it called on um, and forgive me. I don't want to make anyone self-conscious of weight or anything like that. So I don't, don't want to go there. But the point is I seen a Facebook post and someone was saying, yo, Americans, don't worry that you'll get drafted. You can't run more than a mile. You can't do this. You can't shoot a gun. And and the point was like, we Americans are kind of dumb and we're kind of behind and we're kind of, you know, overweight. And, and and so what I what I, I bring that up not for us to be self conscious but just as a warning we should really be in preparation in all facets of life and it takes discipline because times like that can ensue don't forget Jesus has never promised an enduring civilization for any country except heavens tomorrow may be our day come on. Amen. Rome thought it was um, impervious. Rome thought it, it could not be conquered. And if, if I'm not mistaken, if I have my history correct, 500 years of endurance, and then finally it collapsed and corrupted from the inside. I don't know of any civilization that's ever endured without having their day of reckoning. And so <clears throat> um, with that said, I, I'm not... I'm not here to um, to preach on that today, but I just wanted to preface by saying that. Um, so it, during your time, continue to pray for the Ukrainians. And uh, from my, from what I've read, um, I, it's speculation at this point, but uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, from what some have commented, is intending on going beyond Ukraine. Um, I don't know how sure that is, um, but let's pray that's not the case. Um, because more casualties, more bloodshed, and um, it's uh, it's tragic. Um, but with that said, I want to talk to you guys today about maturity and and growth. Uh, but before we do, let's let's join in prayer, and I want to ask for our undivided attention. Father, we come before you, Lord, and I just ask God right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for your power. I pray for clarity. I pray that you would enlighten our eyes. I pray, God, that you would remove all distractions. I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name that you would help us, Lord, give us a heart to endure sound doctrine. Father, we have need of endurance so that after we've done the will of God, we may receive what is promised. Give us the heart that will be able to endure. Like you told Jeremiah the prophet, if you cannot keep up with the footmen, how will we keep up with the horsemen? So, Father, give us legs to stand strong. Give us the ability to persevere. Father, I pray that even now there would be an impartation of grace upon all the hearers. 
I pray that your anointing would accompany the proclamation of your word. God, I pray that no one would dodge the word, that it would serve as a two-edged sword that would divide both soul and spirit and would cut asunder all that is ungodly, that would cut asunder all that should be cut off. And Lord, I pray, Father, for grace. I pray, Father, for your spirit to be poured out upon this meeting. I pray, God, that no single mind would begin to rationalize that this is just um, almost like a biblical social club. Father, I pray that there would be an awareness of your presence, that there would be a reverence for your presence, that there would be a fear of your presence, but Lord, that there would also be a welcoming of your presence, that our hearts would be open to the sowing of your word and to the, the showers of your spirit, God. I pray that you would send forth the latter rain, that you would send forth, God, showers of your grace, showers of your spirit even now, and that you would begin to quench the thirst of those that are weary. Father, I pray that every single person that came, Lord, expecting God would be fed, Lord, from your word. And from those that did not even come expecting, Lord, that their mind would be altered. And in fact, Lord, that you would do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to your power that is at work in us, Lord. And your word tells us in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Lord. So I pray that the gospel would penetrate, Lord, hardened hearts, deceived hearts, delusioned hearts today, God, and that you would expose the intents and motives of our hearts, that you would give us direction, that you would give us guidance. Father, and I pray, Lord, right now, Lord, that we would complete the will of God on our lives and we would fulfill our destinies. Father, I pray for spiritual growth and spiritual maturity in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that there would be no sense of condemnation if we are lacking in growth. But Lord, that there would be a loving encouragement, a loving exhortation that would urge us on, Lord, and that we would receive the prize, that we would receive the crown, and we would faint not, and we would not give up, Lord. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name, I pray that you bind every devil, every demonic spirit that would come to try to distract and try to disrupt th this, this holy and sacred meeting, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, may grace or grace me to proclaim as the very oracles of God. Give me prophetic unction. Hallelujah. Speak to your people prophetically, O Lord. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Um, as I've mentioned already, I, I want you to understand that, this, this, as I've said already, uh, this, this is more than a Bible study. This, um, I know that it's unorthodox, and I know that it is. Um, it probably messes with our religious categories, but just because we're online doesn't mean the anointing cannot reach you it does not mean that this is any less of an assembly All right we are fulfilling hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 to to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together right 
this is an assembly nonetheless. It's just utilizing technology to the purposes of God's kingdom. Right. And and I, I want I want you to understand the privilege that we have to be able we have people here in Asia and in Europe, Canada, we we're able to do this by the convenience of clicking on a single tab. Where we do not necessarily have to travel. Right. This is a beautiful thing. Let us let us embrace this and let us let us um, be thankful unto the Lord for for this technology it's a blessing to the kingdom of god let's not get so religious remember you are blessed every single day that you're writing you're reading prison letters from paul you understand that he was he was he was lacing you up on theology and from prison right amen so let us not let's not be religious so I want to talk to you guys today about spiritual growth, okay? <clears throat> because we need, <clears throat> see, if you're saying Google Gaga at, at, at uh, 10 years old, there's something wrong. There is a defect by the fact that you are unable to express thoughts and concepts by language by a certain age. It is acceptable. It's even cute and and paraded at a young age, at a month old, two weeks old, when you're Google Gaga. At some point, you have to begin to recognize things that you did not recognize before and express that in language. You're supposed to be able to articulate that. At some point, you should be able to say, Mama, Dada. And then you begin to advance and you say, uh, uh, dad or father or however exa- exactly you dress your parents, um, papi, um, uh, whatever, you know, how, whatever language that you speak in, in your native tongue to, to express that relationship. But there are sequential phases in life. And if we are behind, that is not the design of God on a physical level, neither on a spiritual level, right? If at 10 years in your Christian walk, you are still struggling to understand certain basics of the Christian faith, then my friend, and I say this respectfully, you are still a baby in Christ and you need to advance, okay? And so we're going to be talking about spiritual growth because it is the design of God to not grow in, in uh, the phases that that um, the phases of life, then it is sin. Because it's not the fault of God. There's something that you are doing or not doing that is preventing you from reaching maturity. Okay. But I want to, first of all, delve, I'm going to delve into two things here. Number one, I'm going to be talking about things that facilitate growth. The elements in walk, and so I want to talk about characteristics. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Am I? Can you still hear me? 
kind of keep cutting in and out. Okay. Um, how am I now? Am, am I? Let me know if I'm cutting in and out. No, you've been sounding straight the past ten seconds. Okay. Yeah, before then you were freezing up a lot. Am I still freezing up? You're good right now. You're good. Okay. L- just let me know uh, uh, if I'm I- if I'm interrupting anymore, because if so, I'm just going to switch to my phone. And we'll do it that way. Um. Okay. So the second thing that I'm talking about is um, in terms of I want to provide areas, um, provide characteristics that we can identify that we should be growing in, okay? So number one, we're talking about what helps us to grow. And then number two, we will be talking about the areas in which we need growth. But if you can, I want us to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and ver, uh, through verse 17. <clears throat> So for the first, the first thing that will facilitate growth in your life is the word of God. Okay. Now this is very simple, but it's not easy. Some of the most simple things in life are not the easy things. They're the most difficult things, but this is what the word of the Lord reads. says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, right? So right there, it says all scripture. In fact, you cannot fully understand the mind of God if you are not welcoming to the whole counsel of God. In fact, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, And in Luke chapter 4, what was one of the things that the devil did? He took the word of God out of context and used it for his own own advances. Now, the interesting thing is this, is that the devil, he doesn't misquote the Bible. He misapplies it. He quotes it word for word, perhaps better than you and I are able to. And I'm sure he's able to quote it in Hebrew, quote it in his Greek, quote it in English, whatever language you want him to quote it, and he'll do it but he misapplies it. Now, Jesus says this. He says, um, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word of God. See, you can be a Christian and you will not grow. And it's precisely for this reason. It's because you live on some of the word of God. You don't live on all of it. You don't allow the the scriptures that you um, tend to ignore because they're more difficult to digest to accept you're not allowing those scriptures to speak to your life and as a consequence you're you're uh you're like a um you're misshaped 
and you're not growing properly. See, it, it's no different than this. If all I consume is protein and I avoid any even healthy and good fats and I avoid any form of, of sugars and if I avoid um, fiber, if, if I only have a diet that is committed to one specific um, ingredient, then I will lack in other areas in my physical body, right? I will begin to yield problems in my body and my body will communicate that to me. Well, here's the problem for many of us Christians is that we're only digesting some of the words of God. And so we, we don't have a proper diet. And when you yield these problems in your life, it's, it's not God. And in many cases, it's not even the devil. It's our negligence to the word of God and embracing it and all of it. The totality of scripture, every single last word, line upon line, precept upon precept. Amen. And this is what's preventing us from becoming holistic. Because it, it is not pleasing to God. And I've used this analogy before. The guys who go to the gym who have chicken legs. They have humongous upper bodies. They got their biceps. They got their trapezoids. They got their deltoids. They got all this in shape, but then they got little scrawny chicken legs. They're like a baby giraffe on high heels. <laughs> I got an analogy, huh? <laughs> Just struggling to stand up. Baby giraffe on high heels. <laughs> it's like, yo. I think you should stop working out, man. At least at least if you're skinny and scrawny like that, at least your body's consistent with your legs. Right? There's a sense of harmony to your body. <clears throat> well, that we can be that in the spirit. We can be that as Christians. An example is we have a storage, a, a, a reservoir, uh, um, a library of a lot of information, and we can be um, like a Stephen Hawking in, in Christianity, so intelligent, but we're crippled in the area of the spirit. But notice right here, the, the text says this. It says it's God-breathed and it is useful. That Greek word, theosnustas. It comes from the, the prefix is theos, is the word God, and nustas uh, is, it is derived from the word pneuma, and it means spirit, wind, or breath. And this is what Jesus says, my words, they are spirit and they are light. And so it's it's literally breathed out from God. It is it it is um from from Himself, from His own Spirit. And see, uh, let me let me just this is uh besides the point, but it's a point that I want us to learn un and understand. As you grow in the Spirit, you'll learn not to even pay attention necessarily and too much to the words that people express to you. Because you must understand that words come from spirits. 
Okay, so it doesn't matter whether or not someone is telling me, oh, we're good friends, my buddy, old pal. I can test the spirit and I can test the authenticity or its fakeness because I'm looking for the source. What source is it coming from? Does it come from a demonic spirit? Is it coming from their spirit or is it coming from the Holy Spirit? And this is why I don't listen to too many preachers because they don't preach by the Holy Spirit. They preach from soul. They preach from flesh. And in fact, some preachers preach from the demoniac because they're preaching and purporting demonic doctrines, doctrines of demons. Because the source is tainted. And in fact, we can rightfully divide the word of truth. But if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you have nothing to offer me. Because I need it to come from the source of the Holy Spirit to impart life. And see, here's what separates ministers who are, this is what separates uh, men who are only expositors of the word versus those who minister the spirit. Because you can preach the word and not minister the spirit because you're not drawing from the Holy Spirit. You're not drawing from your prayer life. You're not drawing from the power of God, but you're drawing from intellect. And so I, 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 um, I want us to learn that. Now, here's the thing, and I just want to, I know this is off point, but I just want to say it as an educational point, is you must understand that in order to do that, it must come from the rich intimacy that you have with the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't, then you're going to be critical and you're going to misjudge. Because I see a lot of people on social media, they say they have discernment and they're saying things about the times that we're living in. They claim to be interpreting the times. They claim to be interpreting preachers and ministers. And I can see right through it that they're a critical um, person that whose judgment is off. And so you must have a rich intimacy with the Holy Spirit in order to interpret times and people and words and sources correctly. Because I don't have to know everything. I just must know the one who does. That's the secret. Is he shows me secrets that belong unto God. What does Daniel say to him? He he showeth mysteries. Right? He gives wisdom. And Daniel says, I'm not wiser than any among the living here in Babylon. But I know a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Hallelujah. But right here, the text says this, that it's useful for teaching, rebuking. See, this is a cuss word in Christianity today. And I understand some of us may have gone through church hurt, and some of us may have gone through abuse, church manipulation, and witchcraft in the church. Because let me tell you, it exists. And it may not have that form of occultism, of you know, playing with voodoo dolls and sort of stuff, but it can be nothing less than manipulation and control. Now, there's a vast difference between control and manipulation and being lovingly rebuked by a man of God who's consistent with the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And so let me ask us this. Do you think our heart, and I'm not looking for an answer, are our hearts prepared to be rebuked and receive it? 
In fact, let, let's go beyond this group. And suppose you were to be rebuked one-on-one. Do you have the integrity to be fold, uh, uh, molded and shaped into conformity to this, the authority of the scriptures? If so, if, if someone uh, uh, um, communicated to you your fault. But it's used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Training takes discipline. Training takes uh, uh, exerting yourself. Training takes a lot out of us. But here's the point. Is that it is useful. And we must um, allow our lives and our hearts to be conformed to the entirety of Scripture. The Bible says in Psalm chapter uh, 119, verse 105, you don't have to turn there, that it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so how does the word of God facilitate growth? It affords you light. If you are walking in darkness or if you don't know the way, the scriptures provide that lamp unto you. And this is why the prophet Isaiah says unto the people of God, he says, why do you search for light among the dead? among those who are not of the living. And see, this is, and I said this before, and I don't intend on uh, on discrediting our profession, or I'm not intending on discrediting our desires to become psychologists. I believe you can do that as a Christian at, because it's a mission field. But here's the problem. I find it a vast problem if we're trusting more in a secular psychologist more than we are of the prophets. Amen. And I'm not saying that there there isn't anything that we can learn from them. I believe that the the world they 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 use the common grace given to them by God. They they use their conscience. They use um, the knowledge that that is expressed in general creation, and they 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 provide answers to some areas of our life that are beneficial to us. If I was so ignorant, I would I would discard all of that, and I say it's not useful, and that would be to our own downfall. When you need a surgery, when you need medication, or you need advice from a gym teacher, I'm not saying that they're not useful. But when we're talking about psychology, they're trying to speak to our soul and diagnose it. And the scriptures alone has that authority to do so. Amen. The scriptures alone. Now, as I said, I want to qualify that. If you want to be a psychologist, praise God, be so, but do it as a missionary. That's the mindset you ought to have because you're going to go through mazes and landmines to work around these people that are going to try to undercut the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. And they'll threaten you at your neck. They will cut your job, will cut off your benefits if you don't stop teaching in his name. Um, but the Bible says in first Peter chapter two, verse two, this is also in relation to the word of God. It says that like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so we must crave the word of God, like newborn babies. Right. I remember when I was a little boy, 
I used to love chocolate milk. Um, and uh, I I didn't I wasn't I didn't have the best speech, so I, I would pronounce it docket milk. Right when I was a little baby, and um, and my dad told me that I used to like two bottles. I don't I don't know why. I mean, um, but <clears throat> I tried to intake as much as I could. But I use that as an analogy to say this. Do we have a similar craving when it comes to the word of God? Because if I can say something, if we don't, it's probably because we're sick. Because you don't desire food when you're sick. There's something wrong. Now, I know that there's times you got to work through, you got to press through. But by and large, there should be this, this innate craving and this longing to get into the word of God, to get into the presence of God. And if that is not consistent in your life, you must ask why. Because I, I don't know about you, but I like to eat. And I, I really don't want to go out, uh, especially if I have a very demanding physical job. I don't want to go out without eating. I mean, some of you manifest like devils if you don't eat when you're trying to fast and you, you're super cranky and you, you'll chew someone's head off, right? If you don't got your physical food. Well, I'm wanting to know, is that very similar when it comes to our, our, our relationship with the Lord, when it comes to his spiritual word, when it comes to his manna, when it comes to his food? But the word of God is useful for growth. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness. But see, here's the thing. You must be open to all of them in order for you to grow. If I'm only open to the comfort aspect that the word of God brings me, but I'm not willing to be kicked in the butt with the rebuke, then I will not grow. I remember when I used to train in the MMA and uh, my trainer, um, especially all the more so because I was sponsored. I wasn't paying a single dime. And so I was on his time. He, he it, Obviously, I wasn't his possession or his property. But if someone is investing you into the degree that they sponsor you, you, you better believe that you, you have no option. And I remember when we were doing our leg lifts and doing our crunches, we would do, 70, we would do 75 everything, 75 uh, push-ups, 75 crunches, leg lifts, all that stuff every single day. And um, when I was tired and I would want to stop at 50 or whatever, he said, keep going. You don't have an option. Go. Hurry up. Now, I could have got bent out of shape, offended, but you know what? That offense would leave when your opponent's going to sock you in the face. There's a reason why he's correcting you in the manner that he is. Because he doesn't want you to get knocked out. You see that? Because more than a knockout, the devil's here to take out your life and your families. And he's here to send you to hell. And so if there is a sharp rebuke, and, and I, trust me, I, I by nature, I, I, I love to be comforting and affirming. Even as a man, um, I, I don't like to unnecessarily rebuke people. But suppose I were to say something sharp. 
Do you have the character to take it? I've, I've been rebuked before by, by, the, by the apostle who trained me. And I, there's times I cried because they were so hard and they, hard and they cut to my heart. Things I didn't want to hear, things that challenged me. But I had to make a conscious decision. Am I going to sweat in discipline in times of peace in order for me to avoid less bloodshed in times of war? Which one am I going to do? It's time for us to rise up and be prepared and shaped and molded by the word of God. If not, we will continue to be stagnant and we will not grow. And finally, the Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, concerning the word of God, it's for upbuilding. And this is what the word of the Lord reads, um, verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So it is for upbuilding. So it is for light. It is for correction, teaching, rebuke, training. It is for growth, and it is for upbuilding, right? You know, I, I love the architecture from the the from Europe in the Middle Ages. It's absolutely magnificent. It's beautiful, and 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 there's something about that rich architecture where it's so meticulous, so precise, and 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 um, in, in contrast to some of the modern buildings, just very bland, plain, right? And, and we don't really care if it's you know it's remodeled. But why is it that the the old buildings in the Middle Ages have been preserved, and there's some sort of uh, deep sense of awe and appreciation for buildings like that? Because people were careful on how they built. They were very careful on how they built. They did not build with hay. They did not build with straw, but they built with precious stone. Kind of like the scriptures give us that analogy in 1 Corinthians, that any man who lays on this foundation must take heed according to how he builds. With uh, with hay, wood, straw, precious stone, silver, or gold. And not only must you build with proper um, material, but you must build properly right because even if i have good material i may mess up on my plumbing and i get leaks all up in my roof if you don't do the plumbing properly then i would advise you not to use the bathroom right (laughs) the same how never mind i'm not gonna belabor that analogy but You get the point. We we have to give due attention to building and constructing properly. Right? But you know what? That's going to take careful observance to this word. To see this is what the Bible, this is what the word of the Lord reads to uh, in in the book of Hebrews when... um, when uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, cites the Old Testament 
And it refers to Moses and he says, be careful to build after the manner that I have revealed you to you in the law of the book. After that pattern. I remember Paul Washer said this. He said, suppose a king had gone on a journey. And um, he said, this, you know, I'm going to leave my wife here. I don't know for whatever reason. Um, and I want my servants to take good care of her. And I want her continued to be clothed in this wonderful and elegant dress. And he says, as suppose the king goes on a long journey, and then he returns. And before he returns, the servants begin to rationalize and they begin to reason and say, you know what? You know, she looks beautiful in this dress. And I understand the king gave word to, to us that we ought not to alter her dress. But, you know, it's beginning to look outdated. And, you know, it's not fashionable anymore. Look at the other kings in the other countries and look at how their wives are dressed. More modern, more up to date, more up to par, all this stuff. Let's do the king a favor and then put on his wife a new dress. Surely this will please the king. This is precisely what is going on in many American churches today. We have disregarded the scriptures and what the king has declared and revealed unto us. And we begin to rationalize, say, you know what? We're going to throw a little bit of sugarcoating in there. We're going to throw a little bit of entertainment. We're going to open up every preaching with a joke. And we're not going to uh, yield ourselves to the power of the Holy Ghost to infiltrate this place. And we're going to begin to incorporate everything. We're going to be... Um, Skinny jean latte pastors with no anointing and no power. <laughs> Sorry, I have to throw in those little low blows here and there. <laughs> and I'm not against lattes and I'm not against skinny jeans, but you you get you get what I'm saying. There's there's this whole persona out there that uh many of the, the American pastors are fitting. And and the most of them, they're they're miles wide, but they're an inch deep. Amen. Amen. Too difficult. Amen. <clears throat> but the word of God is for upbuilding, so make sure that we are constructing this building correctly. You don't want to be exposed to terrain. You don't want to be exposed to the snow. You don't want to be exposed to the rain. I'm sorry, I couldn't help but think of an old song. <laughs> and the rain. <laughs> Some of you 80, 80s babies probably know that song. <laughs> I'd respect the last edition. <laughs> um, but secondly, is the Holy Spirit. <coughs> See... <coughs> We can know a lot of the word of God. We can have systematic theology. And I, I love I love reading theology. I love reading doctrine. And we can read our devotions. But the second component that is necessary to facilitate growth in the life of a believer is yielding to the Holy Spirit. To have a rich intimacy with the Holy Spirit in the place of worship, in the place of praise, and in the place of prayer. If you are committed to primarily reading, and let me just say this, a lot of us who are intelligent are bookworms, um, we love to read more than we love to pray, but we ought not to have it that way. We must devote equal attention 
to the reading of the word of God and to delving further into the depths of the Holy Spirit by prayer, petitioning, and fasting and worship. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 16, John chapter 14, verse 16. it says and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever the spirit of truth see many of us are still struggling and are not growing and are still wrestling with the temptations that we're wrestling with is because we're not um yielding to the holy spirit we're not relying on him as we ought we don't come to him with desperation. We don't come to, and here's, here's how you will know that you don't come to him in desperation, is that you leave your house without praying. Are, are we better than Jesus? Are we better than the son of God who prayed all night, who wrestled in prayer? There are demons out there after you that are advertising their their lusts and their pride and everything that is conducive to send you to hell. And we want to reason within ourselves that we can make it without out there, without the spirit and without the sword. We are not better than the living son of God. And in the days of his flesh, the Bible says he offered up strong crying with tears and prayers from him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard and that he was reverent and submitted. When you go to your workforce, when you go on your job, and especially if you're if you're a, a single man or a single woman and, and there, there are attractive people on the job, do you go to work before you pray? And they're trying to allure you, trying to uh, entice you. And let's not be stupid. The, the whole reasoning, all, you know, um, you know, uh, like uh, what, what's his name? Joseph, Joseph, yeah, so we ought not to be, uh, we ought to be like Joseph that flees. Man. You cannot flee if you're not quick with your senses, right? But how do you become quick with your senses is that you're vigilant and watchful in the place of, of prayer and, uh, and, and uh, becoming more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, right? I don't know if you've ever seen those videos on um on uh, what's it called um on YouTube and people are like I, I don't know what gets into people's heads like grown adults are trying to play games with other adults and and like they dress up as like a bush and then they they pose as a bush right and then they jump out of nowhere with people walking on the sidewalk and people get scared right they react really fast but some are so quick on their feet they're just like this bah, they punch them well, they have it coming to them. But wh- how are they able to land that punch? They're coordinated and they have good reaction time. 
But see, if you are not watchful in prayer, what happens is a spirit of slumber begins to grip you and you're no longer reactionary. When you're intoxicated with the thing, I remember when I was a little boy, I was in elementary school and they used to come to our, our uh, some of the officers and so, these, uh, I don't know if you guys remember D.A.R.E., you know, say no to drugs sort of stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't think you guys have that in other countries, but here in America, we had that. And they would come with their alcohol goggles, you know, where where we as little kids had to try to walk on a line. And I remember because I was very athletic, you know, I was very balanced on skating and all this stuff. And I, I remember I was swollen with pride, like, ah, I could do that. That's simple. <clears throat> as a sober man, as a sober boy, never having uh, uh, done that, it wasn't until the day I tried the goggles or I became intoxicated myself. I learned really quickly that what I was saying in times of peace and times of sobriety was nearly impossible when I was drunk. See, that's what happens when you're swollen with conceit and pride and presumption and arrogance. You think that you're able to see more clearly than you do so that when slumber grips you, the devil attacks and you you bid into his snare amen amen so you must be watchful at all times this is this is why we must rely on the holy spirit and this is what i'm pleading with you brothers and sisters to understand do you not understand that the devil has far much of a greater advantage than you are you and I, he has thousands of years of plotting on men and conspiring for their downfall. Thousands of years. You know, <clears throat> um, a, a brother of mine, he just got into the prisons and he's he's doing prison ministry. And uh, we were talking the other day, and we we're we we're just talking about how how sly and manipulative some of the men are in in prison, because all they got time for is to study, 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 study. And it, <clears throat> he had informed me on one of their tactics. He said, "Bro, you, he said the people that stonewall you, you don't have you don't have." about he says it's the men that want to help you that you got to worry about in there because what they will do is they will do favors for you say hey yo yo you know man i got you i got you hey you know uh hey you left your keys here um you know here's your keys i got you i'm looking out for you what happens is your guard becomes down and you feel psychologically indebted to return the favor and this is how they get the cell phones in there the drugs in there because inch after inch, the more inches you give them, now you've traveled the mile and now you're done. Either you yield to their favors or you're losing your job. So you get caught by yielding inch after inch. But here's what I'm, I'm wanting to tell you is that the devil is the ancient serpent and he has thousands of years of mass manipulation and so if we think that we can do this on ourselves or by human reasoning or psychology without the power of the holy spirit we got it wrong man as i've said already i don't need to know everything i just need to know the one who does 
and it's the Holy Spirit. And he begins to whisper and says, here's the way, walk ye in it. This is why we must not rely on this. We ought not to rely on this. Amen. And and for those of you that are growing in the prophetic, this is what you must learn too. There's times where your eyes will see X, Y, and Z, but the spirit says prophesy to them A, B, and C. And you think in yourself, this person? What? And it's by the spirit of faith that you prophesy and you find that things are accurate. What you mean by that, bro? So what I what I mean by that is, for example, let's say I, I am ministering to a man, you know, out in the streets, right? And he's tatted, he's buff, you know, he looks strong and hard, but the Spirit of God says, um, he he feels like he's a coward inside. And it's not the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm like, man, the dude looks intimidating, looks strong, you know, what have you. But the, the Spirit of God begins to minister to you about this individual, things that are just things that do not register with your eyes and what your mind thinks. Right. That is what we rely on, on faith, and we don't rely on sight. And what the devil wants us to do, and this will often happen, is he will manipulate you by getting your faith to to diminish, and, and he'll blind us by what our eyes see. He will get our eyes fixed on the situation. And this is what Abraham did. He thought Sarah was barren, and she was. And what hope could I have for a child? Surely I'm going to have the child with Hagar. Hey, she, she's still fruitful. She can still produce children. And so there was a temptation for Abraham to rely on what his eyes see and what his mind reasoned rather than what, than what the word of the Lord had delivered to him. Okay. And so the devil, he's going to attack this right here. He's going to keep lying to you. God won't come through. God ain't going to come through. He's not going to come through. You think he's going to help? You're beyond recovery. You're not going to get healed. Don't you see everything going on in your situation? And it's a setup by the devil. It's a setup by the enemy to get you to be overcome with the spirit of unbelief. I said this last time. But I got this wonderful nugget from a preacher I've been listening to. And he said that God speaks to you, not like he speaks to a man, but he speaks to himself. What he meant by that is God would literally tell you the impossible and say, here, do it. Because if God is telling you to do possible things, what requirement is there of faith? What requirement is there for prayer? What requirement is there from uh, for help from the God of heaven? If all the Lord is telling you to do are possible things, feasible things, easy things, but rather God will tell you to do the impossible because you will come to an end of yourself in a corner where you have your backed up and you have no other option but to look to the one who delivers, looks to the one who sets free, looks to the one who is mighty, looks to the one who gives strength to the weary. Amen. He says, feed the 5,000. Well, how? I don't got the money. I don't got the bread. 
But notice he looked up to heaven, broke the bread, and gave thanks, right? So our eyes are fixed on him. We give thanks unto him for things that are not yet manifested in reality, but God will in fact do. And sometimes it requires that breaking in order for blessing to flow. Some of you want the anointing in your life, and it's not going to come without breaking. Amen. Because some of the most dangerous people are those ministers or people that are offering their acts of service who have not been broken. So they're not tempered to relate with sympathy to the sufferings of other souls. They're like a butcher and a meat locker. They just want to slice people with the word, but they don't have compassionate hearts. But I, I want to continue through some of these points and we'll come to a close here shortly. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. In John chapter 14, verse 26, the word of the Lord reads, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he reminds, he's a teacher. Amen. He's an advocate. He's your lawyer. He stands as your teacher. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, that in the last days, saith God, that, that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, that your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. But what was the first, what was the language of those who had first been filled with the Holy Spirit? It was the language of prayer. So the spirit of God is the spirit of supplication and prayer. And so the Holy Spirit, as we grow in the Holy Spirit, he will teach you to pray more. He will teach you his counsel. He will teach you his wisdom. He will teach you to become more reliant and dependent upon him what does it say in romans chapter 8 verse 26 that we don't know how to pray as we are but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep to be expressed by words right so as a reminder i want to say point number one is we grow by the word of god and number two we we grow by the influences the infeelings and the leadings of the holy spirit you must you must learn to listen to the holy spirit we don't this isn't a dead book amen amen we don't serve a dead god we serve a risen lord and he said that in fact some of us sometimes i don't know how many of us have said this but some of us um have some questions that we need answering we said man if only jesus was here i would love to pick his brain and ask him you know all these questions but didn't he say that it's more needful that I depart, that I will send the comforter? Exactly. So if that is in fact the case, how much are we relying on the comforter? How much are we looking to him? How much are we yielding ourselves to his promptings, his impulses, and his leadings? This is what the word of the Lord reads. This is my final scripture. We'll get to the third point. Psalm chapter 143, verse 10. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 143, verse 10. 
This is what the word of the Lord reads. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. See, a lot of people don't understand this. When things get shaky in their life, they try to justify it. They like to try to look for all the good things for why it should be the will of God. But the Bible tells us he leads on level ground, on solid rock. Right? See, I don't know if you've ever met those Christians. Everything just keeps keeps crumbling down in their life. And they don't know why things don't work. It's because you're on shaky ground. Right? Relationships don't work. Jobs don't work. Nothing seems to work. The Spirit of God leads us to a place of stability. Amen. Because God is not unstable. God is fixed. <clears throat> no, so here's the thing. The, when, I, when I'm talking about stability... That doesn't mean bad things cannot happen. Obviously, we look to the book of Job. We see Job's life comes crumbling down. He loses this. He loses that. That is something that is not predictable. But what was his posture even in that time? It was a posture of stability and faith in God. See, what happens is when God isn't leading, your life may be stable but you are unstable. Every the, your, All your external environment gives you a reason that you should be stable. You had good parents. You grew up well with a silver spoon in your mouth. You grew up with a good job or you have a good job or you have the money, but nothing seems to be working because it isn't necessarily an external problem. It is an internal problem and they have no stability with God, no stability with faith, no stability in character. And so those are the differences because the devil can cause hell in your life and there still be an element of stability that doesn't leave you. What does the Bible says? Always abound in the work of the Lord, immovable, abounding, right? Immovable, solid like our God, who's the rock of the ages. Amen. He's a rock. He did, like John the Baptist, the Lord Jesus says, who did you come out to search for? A reed tossed in the wind? Swayed by the, the prince of the power of the air? Right? This is why some of us need to get off television. Because it's telling you a vision and it's not consistent with scripture. But I'm going to get to my third point, and then we'll we'll wrap it up with the the. I want to sh- just quickly show us areas where we we may need growth to help identify whether or not we're on the right track. But the third point is this, and let me just preface by saying this: is that in our Western day and age, we've had we've made it so difficult to be acceptance of this, because we have since the time of the Reformation. And in the 1500s, we've wanted to, we, we've countered one abuse, which was 
Catholicism and the abuses of, of that religious institution, but we've swung on the other side and we've said everybody's equal. I don't need a teacher. I don't need anyone to speak into my life. I am a, a, a solo Christian <clears throat> who can do this by myself. I am the church. I'll, I don't need to listen to nobody. Well, let me just break it to you this way. You are not the church. You are a part of the church. A hand isn't the body. It isn't until it's connected with the body. It can then say, I, along together with everyone else, am the body. Amen? If, if, if a hand is fragmented off of the body, is it appropriate to say, as I pulled up this hand and say, this is the body? No. <clears throat> it is more accurate to say it is a part of the body. But it is not the body. So you cannot say, and this might mess with our, our mind, um, uh, with our belief systems, but you are not the church. You are a part of it. This is why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, that as each joint is joint connected together, as each uh, part supplies with an increase of God, we grow up into him in all things. Amen. So in other words, since I, we, we've made attempts to, to um, disconnect because of abuses on this side, we've come all the way over here and a spirit uh, in, in the name of independence, which is nothing more than a spirit of pride and rebellion, we have comforted ourselves to say, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need a man of God in my life. I don't need the rest of the body. I'm just going to do me. And you don't know that you've just bit into the bitter fruit of the devil. You, you've bit into his fruits, his, de his delicacies, his, his, his dessert to you says, here, come and feast. And you're that, uh, that, that isolated sheep that is away from the, the, the entire fold. And there's going to be a dart right through you in your, in your vital organs, and the devil is going to take you out, right? <clears throat> so this is what, uh, if you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Is this all right? <laughs> <clears throat> the third area to facilitate growth are the fivefold ministers. <clears throat> this is what the word of God reads. It says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. <clears throat> Although this is in the Old Testament, this is prophesying concerning the days of the new. So God isn't done with providing shepherds and teachers and and so forth. See, here's the thing. We don't have a problem to listening to experts when it comes to medical. We don't have a problem when it comes to listening to experts when it comes to physiology, when it comes to physics, when it comes to science. But we run into a problem when we 
when we come to the church and all of a sudden we want to always rebel, we always want to defy, we always want to question. And what it is, it's an attempt of the devil to cause division, discord, and for arrogance to run rampant in the church. I'm not advocating for abuse. I'm not saying that there aren't false teachers and charlatans and fakes and frauds and all that abusive people, manipulative people in the church. But however, I will say this, God, you will not grow until you submit to a minister. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything foreign to the scriptures. I'm telling you things consistent with first Peter chapter five, Hebrews chapter 13, right? You who are younger submit to the elders. And when that word elders comes, if I'm not mistaken, from the Greek Greek word presbuteros, which is an interchangeable word with the word poimenos and episkopos. And there are three words that are used for those that are designated to shepherd the church. Episkopos comes from the Greek word epi, which is a preposition that means about or around. And scopos, which we get the English word scope, which we can see. So those who are episcopos, right, those who are overseers have the ability to be a Hey, brother, you're breaking up. God to be able to spot on. Am I good now? Kind of like still rose. You might have to switch your role. Because you're just going really bad. But Okay. Because I missed a lot of what you said. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Oh, th- thank you for letting me know. Um. Recording in progress. All right, can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yep, yep. Awesome. I'm sorry about that. So, um, <clears throat> so what the word of the Lord says is that it, 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 there's three words that are used, presbuteros, episcopos, and poimenos. Poimenos is a Greek word. We would get the English word shepherd. Episcopos, a presbuteros is where we get the word elders. And episcopos is where we get the word bishop or overseer. Now, when you break down that word, it comes from the prefix. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of using a little bit of grammar, so just bear with me. But it's the prefix word epi, which means about, around, or concerning. And it comes from, and then the suffix is the word scopos, where we get the English word scope. So those who are are bishops or overseers have the ability to serve as a scope around your life to identify blind spots. And that is precisely what they're, 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 what they are designed for in the church. And I'm saying this uh, because this is so vital, and I want us to understand the significance, the importance of this. It's no different than 
um, bodybuilding. It's no different than um, uh, uh, learning how to diet. Why is it that we go to all these different people who are experts or, or who have it as a profession and they have so much more time to devote in this area. And so naturally we trust their counsel. That doesn't mean they can't be wrong, but more often than not, they are going to be on point. And so and here's, here's another thing too. The reason why God has designed overseers and shepherds and prophets and apostles is to prevent you from giving yourself to pride. Because if you're not the end-all be-all, as a consequence, you need other people. And look, there. let me say this. This is also very controversial, but I want you to understand. There are some things God will not do in your life until a minister reaches your life. And I can support that biblically. In the book of Acts, when Paul was blinded, why didn't Jesus just heal him on the spot? He says, hold on. I got a servant. I spoke to him in a vision. He's going to come and pray for you in your skill from your eyes. <clears throat> Why didn't David just ascend to the throne? He didn't ascend to the throne. He had to wait until Samuel anointed him with oil. Why didn't Jesus just go into his public ministry? He waited until God's spokesman, namely John the Baptist, pointed him out. And it wasn't until he was pointed out that he entered into his public ministry and was baptized. See, the problem in the Western church is we have wanted to disregard ministers of the gospel and say, I don't need anybody. I'm just going to learn myself. But this is what is going to lead you to confusion. This is going, and there are things that God will not speak to you about until you humble yourself. <clears throat> and can I get an amen or, 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 am, I, amen. or am I preaching here? Amen. <clears throat> I want us to turn, and I want to support this biblically too. Turn to Ephesians chapter four. I hope that this, I hope that this time of education will profit you, because it, it really needs to be addressed in in the church. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven. <clears throat> So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so <clears throat> right there we see clearly that Christ gave them. They're not self-appointed. And not anybody can be a minister. They're appointed by Christ Jesus himself. They're called by God. And here's the interesting thing. <clears throat> you may even know more than a minister in a certain area. But what you must understand, similar to like David, when David wasn't on the throne, that was not legally his throne yet. Because there was still a throne. There was still a king who sat on that throne and was Saul. And what was David's posture towards Saul? He says, I will not lay my hand on the Lord's anointed. I am outside of my jurisdiction. I am outside of my legal rights to be able to touch uh, the, the, the man that is seated on the throne. Because he understood authority. He, and it's no different when it comes 
to paying taxes. We cannot claim submission to God if we don't submit to government. Now, there are certain things that they say that are in conflict with the word of God that we have every right to disobey. But as long as what they're doing is discharging their rightful duties, if we claim to be in submission to God, but disobey our local authorities, then we're not indeed in submission to God. Do you see that? And, <clears throat> but this is what Christ gave. And the, the, the word there for grace, of forgive, forgave, if I'm not mistaken, is the Greek word charis. And it, it means grace. It means gift, grace. And that's where we get the word charisma, where we get the, the, the English word charismatic. And that's what we are. We're charismatic. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in prophesying. But the, the, the apostles, the pastors, the prophets, they are gifts. They are grace to the church. Do you see that? Yes. <clears throat> They are gifts and they're a grace to the church. See, when when the king had sinned against Abraham, because by ignorance, right? He said, um, he said, I I didn't know. I didn't know that this this man said it was his sister, right? He disobeyed the Lord. But what happened? He said that Abraham will pray for you. Or in Job's case, remember when they sinned against Job by saying something wrongfully concerning him and concerning God? What did he say? And Job was a prophet in accord with James chapter 5. The Bible says that he was a prophet. He says, he will pray for you. So there, God has decided to connect his purposes to men. And there are certain doors that will be, un, will be locked and doors that you cannot open until you receive the man of God in your life or the grace or the gifts. And I'm not just talking about tongues. I'm talking about mentors in the faith that will help you to connect you to your destiny. And I understand that this sort of language is so foreign to the Western church, but it's here in the scriptures. You can see line upon line, case after case, how God had prevented to do something until there was a man that was qualified and ordained for the task get to the people of God to where they needed to go. Why did God use Moses as the spokesman? He didn't he didn't just say, hey, people of God, just, you know, um, I'm going to shout from the voice of heaven. No, he chose a man. He chose a man. And so I want us to learn honor and we want to learn respect in the house of God. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a minister, but if I'm going, and you know me, I don't talk about this very often, but if I'm going to be very faithful to the scriptures, I must address this because dishonor and disrespect will lead to closed doors in your life. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Let let, let me... uh, <clears throat> we're almost done i and I, I know i i said that but uh i i told you guys this before i remember i was listening to a christian comedian and um <laughs> he said he remembers being a young little boy and he was listening to a preacher and uh and he remembers sitting in the pews with his uh you know his uh with his mom and the the preacher would be all like you know enthusiastic saying mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting ready to close. 
And then he's like, man, he's like a little boy thinking in his head, like, dang, preacher, how many doors you got to close? So I want to be like Moses and say, hey, let God's people go. (laughs) 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 Uh, That's funny. But Hebrews chapter 13, but for sure, this is my last door to close. I don't have many more. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. <clears throat> Don't get upset at me. I didn't I didn't write that. OK, I, I want you to see very clearly. I didn't write that. It's not like it's first Greg chapter two. You know what I mean? It's it's Hebrews. I, I think I know how to read. You know, so I'm just I'm just the mailman. Hey, I want to say too, like I I don't teach anything that I I myself have lived through, and I'm I, I don't I'm not one of those guys. I've 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 gone through this and it's difficult. I understand. And if uh, I'm cutting out again. Yeah, you are, but I heard what you were saying though. Like it ain't. <clears throat> good. Okay. I, I think it, I turned off my Wi-Fi. Hopefully let me know if, if it sounds good now. Yeah. you sound pretty good now. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Um, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. So the Bible says they have authority. Now, and I want to say this, and I just a couple more points, is when you defy authority, see, see, this is, this is why it's important to have favor with your leaders, because if, and I, 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 I trust that this isn't taken wrongly, but there is something about a minister's grace and favor upon your life. Say, for example, you're single. And that minister doesn't bless a, a relationship. There will be disharmony. And, and I, I don't, I'm not saying what the minister says goes. But what happens is God decides to use the, the, your spiritual father or that man of God in your life. And I don't, I don't know everybody's relationship to me. And here I, under, I don't know where everybody's at in their hearts. Some people say, you know, this person's my spiritual father. But I know that some of you have committed to of uh, 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 submitting to this covering and, some, and accepting me as as a man of God in your life, and uh, God and and God will speak to me, and obviously He will speak to you. Yes, I understand that. I'm not no pope, right? Ministers are not popes; they're not priests in the sense of you need someone to mediate between you and God and man. But they are nonetheless a gift, and they are grace in your life, and you would do well to to hearken to that advice to hearken to uh the the counsel that god gives them and we read in jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15 that they are used to give understanding and knowledge to the body of christ and and you have you you have seen time and time again of of god um using these meetings he speaks to you and so i want us to to be assured of that and to be to 
to have a place in our hearts for this aspect of doctrine. Because if you begin to reason in your hearts and say, um, you know, hey, I'll just read the Bible myself. I don't need help. Then you will lock yourself out of blessings. And this is for your upbuilding. This isn't for uh, dictatorship or anything like that. It's for grace and it's for upbuilding and it's for blessing and it's for covering, it's for protection. Yeah. And and some of you know, I'm in constant prayer for some of you guys. And, and I've sent some of you direct text messages. God will show me things about your life and, and, and will help you in areas of direction. And so what I'm help what I'm hoping that we will adopt is a, is a heart of honor um, for the word of God as the supreme authority, but also for spiritual authority. And I'm not going to talk very much about this. You don't see me harping on this, but it is a point nonetheless I want to make because I believe in um, the full counsel of scripture. And remember this, when it talks about authority, the ministers, they have authority to excommunicate. They have authority to distribute communion. They have authority in certain areas that the rest of the body of Christ do not have. And there's a specific reason for that. Okay, so um, it, it, there's a protocol, but we, we, we must learn this. We must learn this. Because, and I just want to say lastly about that. Again, I want to affirm, we're not popes here. I don't believe in the papacy. I don't believe in that form of priesthood. You need someone to forgive your sins. I don't believe that. It's not biblical. Okay, so that's not truth. However, what, what I've read is truth. And it's for, as we've read in Ephesians chapter four, for our maturity. But that's all I will say about it. And then lastly, are these two areas of growth that I just want to read really quickly. Second Peter um, chapter one, verse five through seven. Okay. Second Peter chapter one, verse five through seven. <clears throat> and it, it reads this, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and the self-control perseverance and the perseverance godliness and the godliness mutual affection and the mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the lord jesus christ okay so first of all the the word of god the holy spirit and ministers are are instruments hold on Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I'm on my phone. It's more difficult to read the messages. So, if I wasn't if I wasn't getting around to it, it's that, that's the reason why. Um, on my laptop, it's a whole lot easier. Um, but number one is is uh, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and ministers are there to help for your maturity. And where we should be growing in these three areas, number one is character. And we see a description right here is that to your faith, you may have come to the saving faith of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you must add to that faith knowledge, right? Uh, faith, add to that faith goodness and that goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control. We must continue to acclimate more. We, the, the walk with our Lord is additional. We add to it. 
and we add, we multiply characters. So I, I want us on the one hand, not to be discouraged if you haven't had the character, the, the, the character development that you've sought for and you think that you should get it overnight. It doesn't work that way. Understand that it's growth. Understand that it is through our progression of knowledge we continue to develop a greater character. And it doesn't happen in a year. It happens over a slow progress of time. See, God will put thorns in your path. God will put porcupines in your path to prod you, to make you feel a certain way in order to bring about character development. It's a sanctifying tools. And I've learned this from Paul Washer, and I, I, I believe it's the case. Some of you are praying for this wonderful, like, Rapunzel of a sister. Like, a, I don't know what you think of Disneyland, like her letting down her hair and you know, wave, caressing through the wind and all these romantic ideas of relationships. But you know, the Lord's going to put a thorn in your side sometimes. Someone that's going to tell you something, a wife or a husband, that's not always going to tell you what you want to hear. And they will be a sanctifying tool in your life to lead you to become more dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yes, you need mm -hmm. to stop. You need to stop watching Disney, uh, Disneyland. Stop watching. Um, you know, I don't know. These reading these romance books or whatever. I don't know if you're thinking some, you know, hunk with the uh, with um, you know, Olympian bot is going to swoop you up and it's going to be happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to break it to you. That ain't going to be the case. I'm telling you. And some of you, if you look for that, you're going to you're gonna get the wrong person. And they might be some hunk on the outside, but there'll be a, a Jezebel on the inside. You'll live with such a toxic, cantankerous, backslidden, lukewarm, good-for-nothing, Kim Kardashian-looking and acting person. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears God is to be praised. Amen. <clears throat> so character development, number two. Hold on. I wanted to say one thing about the character, self-control. Self-control is vital. Pray in the area of self-control. Um, and I, 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 I say this because I'm looking out for you is especially in the area of relationships, the devil's going to tempt you like crazy. Okay. Be, be on the lookout and yes, that's, that will be the downfall of many. Okay. So I say that lovingly and I say that respectfully. Um, please wait don't don't get ahead of god um wait on the lord <clears throat> and um god will reward you he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him keep seeking him hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 i won't read uh through from chapter 5 beginning at verse 11 through chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 but basically the the writer of hebrews says in the fifth chapter he says, you have become dull of hearing. 
He says, and you have need of someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You have need of milk and not meat, for meat belongs to them who are of full age, who have by reason of use exercised their senses to distinguish from both good and evil. And in the sixth chapter, beginning of the first verse, he says, now leaving the elementary teachings of the doctrines of Christ of about dead works, uh, from repentance from dead works and 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 washings and laying on of hands and and what he's saying there is <clears throat> you need to grow in doctrine not only are you, know, are you to be growing in your uh, ability to distinguish from good and evil in your senses but you must be able to uh grow in your understanding of doctrine so if if i ask you at a particular time you know um Christ, the nature of Christ, is he God or is he just man? You must be able to answer that. You must be able to answer how, what does effective prayer look like and give reason, biblical support for why, what, what is the role of a man? What is the role of a woman in marriage? You must, should be able to answer those things doctrinally. You may not be able to point from verse to verse to reverse, but you have a good grasp a good understanding, a good worldview of these doctrines. Not just the cross and the resurrection, as basic as that is, as necessary as that is to enter into the fold of Christianity, but we must grow beyond that. Some people are saying, oh, I just want to thank you. (laughs) I want to thank you that I'm saved. (laughs) And they stayed there. They stuck there. And it's like, where are some new testimonies? What what have you learned since you've you've given your life to Jesus? Right? So number two is doctrine. Number one, character. Number two is doctrine. And this is the last point. And I'm I'm going to close with this. Romans chapter 12. I won't go there for the sake of time. Verses three through eight. You can write that down. Check that out later. Romans chapter 12 verse three through eight and paul talks about not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought but he talks about if it if any man has been graced to serve let him serve if his gift is the gift of mercy says let him let him have mercy if any man's gift is to give let him give if any man's gift is to teach let him teach if any man's gift is to prophesy let him prophesy in accordance with the faith that he has that god in all things may be glorified and so The third area that we must be growing in is our gifts. Character, doctrine, and gifts. And so I want to ask us, and I'm not looking for an answer, but what are our gifts? If it's it's discerning of spirits, I would advise you to look up the scriptures on the discerning of spirits. Pray that God will make that gift more precise in your life. If your gift is to prophesy, may you continue to read up on prophecy. May you continue to pray for precision, to hear the voice of God, and to be a blessing for the body of Christ. If your gift is to serve, then to serve. If your gift is to give, now we all, to, generally speaking, are given to get, uh, are, are called to give, but there are certain persons in the body of Christ that are exceptionally givers. They love giving. They're so thoughtful. Like my wife, she loves buying mugs for people. She'll buy, you know, she'll buy this or, you know, or whatever. She'll be, she's thoughtful like that way. But there are some people that are, 
are called to give in an exceptional way. So the Bible says, Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect that gift, but stir it up because it can go down if you don't stir it up constantly. Keep stirring, keep stirring, keep stirring. Fan into flame the gift of God. Don't neglect it. Practice it. You know, like when I'm out uh, out in the four walls, I practice prophesying to people. Doesn't matter if I'm in a drive-thru. Doesn't matter if I'm at a grocery store. Doesn't matter if someone DMs me on Instagram. God sometimes give me prophetic words for people just randomly message me on Instagram. So I just prophesy to them. They didn't expect, they're just, you know, coming for whatever. But I keep practicing, 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 because I don't want to neglect the gift that is on my life. Amen? If your gift is to evangelize, keep opening up your mouth and to declare the gospel to those who are uh, in darkness. But, It comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the word, and the ministry of the ministers, the fivefold, to help equip you for you to grow in character and in doctrine and tongues. Yes, absolutely. Practice the gift of tongues as well. I'm not saying practice in order to learn because you don't learn how to speak in tongues in the sense of, you know, I'm going to say this. It's by faith, and it's as the Spirit gives utterance, you speak. But you can speak in tongues at will. Um, if, If God has graced you with the gift of tongues, you can speak it at will. And so that's why if you have the gift of tongues, do not neglect it. Do not neglect it. Keep praying. I, 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 and I've, I've said this before. It's not the gloat. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. I, I pray no less than an hour in tongues every single day. And if I'm driving or if I'm going to the grocery store under my breath, I'm praying in tongues. You know why? Because there's wolves, there's demonic entities traveling around. So I got to stay prayed up. And let me say this, the gift of tongues is such a wonderful gift. You know why? Because it, it requires that you fast from the mind. You fast from this and you go directly and immediately from the spirit and you pray. So you bypass this. This is why Paul says, if I speak in an unknown tongue, my mind is unfruitful. In other words, there is no usage in that moment for this. And what that helps you to do is to become more discerning to the voice of the spirit who speaks from our inner man, from out of our belly full rivers of waters and not our mind. Because our mind will say all these things contrary to the message of God. And that's how you continue to not only unlock power, but you become more of a tuned frequency to what the spirit of God wants to say. Amen. So if, if and if Amen. you don't, I want you, I want you to know that we believe in tongues. I ain't no sensationist. I believe that God is a miracle working God. I believe that he's still healing. I believe that demons are still cast out today. I believe that there's still miracle working power in the blood of Jesus. And he purchased our healing. I believe he rose again on the third day. You know, I was listening to a podcast recently. He says, yo, you cessationists, you need to come on board. You already drunk the Kool-Aid. There's already a bunch of crazy stuff in the Bible you can't explain. Why don't you just take the full leap of faith and affirm the fact that there are gifts, that there's tongues that may not comport with our mind, 
There, there are demons that are cast out. There are miracles. People are translated in the scriptures from one location to the next. You already drunk the Kool-Aid. You, you look foolish, believe in the Bible. But God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. And so continue to hunger for that gift. Continue to pray and pray and pray and pray that God uh, will give you that gift. I knew a brother who was walking for the Lord for many years, and it wasn't until like seven years that he finally got the gift of tongues. So use it because it will enrich your prayer life. And if you don't have it, you continue to seek it until God bestows it upon you because he is gracious unto all. He is gracious unto all. And if heaven gave Christ, which was what's most difficult to give, surely he will give you tongues. Amen. But do not be lacking in faith. Do not be lacking in faith. And one last secret I want to share with you regarding tongues is when you speak in tongues, you have the ability to interpret your own tongues. Did you know that? That's how revelation comes to you. You pray in tongues. Now, obviously, you, you wait for that revelation. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to imagine this. Oh, I want it to mean this. But as you pray in tongues, remember that the Spirit of God is interceding for things, places, and people, and yourself that you don't understand. And so it keeps you pressing in to the Holy Spirit to give you insight into that revelation and the more you do it the more you become knowledgeable the more you have experience and weight in that area and you will begin let me share this this testimony about that there was a man i heard a testimony he was praying in tongues praying in tongues praying in tongues praying in tongues every single day and what happened is that the lord gave him a revelation to invent something he invented it became a millionaire so you bypass all the pros and cons. When you get into the spirit, you cut right to the heart. And that's what will keep you from wandering in wildernesses without direction. Is revelation from the spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Well, let, let us close. Hey, uh, brother, uh, brother Brandon had a prayer request regarding uh, a breakout he had on his body. So, so I wonder if he could okay, yeah, let's uh, thank you for 